Welcome to the Four Man Rotation Podcast. I am Brian Joyner with Brian Grosnick and Matthew Corey, only one of whom is the new editor-in-chief. It's editor-in-chief, I believe, of BP Mets. That is Brian Grosnick. Brian Grosnick, congratulations! Yay! No, thank you very much, guys. It's uh, really exciting. I'm excited to do it. But most of all, I'm excited that I don't have to write at BP Boston with you guys anymore. Yay! Yay! I'm I'm kidding, obviously. Well, in the virtual softball games, we will have... We will have to change our signs so that you do not steal them. <laughs> Even though our signs will consist of drink. <laughs> and that's all the signs we have. Signs, yeah, that's the end right there. Speaking <laughs> of drinking, Kansas City Royals drank hey. a lot after they won the World Series. And you know what? They earned it. And it was 30 years. And uh, it was a great season. The... Party atmosphere seems to continue in Kansas City because the Royals just did something that teams rarely do, if ever, and that is tear up an incredibly team-friendly contract to sign a player-friendly contract, and they did it with Sal Perez. Now, this broke today. Was it yesterday or today? Today. Today. Today is Tuesday. This was today. Matt, yeah. what did you think when you saw this? Uh, well, you know, the, we've been hearing that this might happen for a little while. Um, and I, I'm sort of a, of two minds about it. Uh, it's, I, you know, it's honestly, it's, it's generous. Um, it's, uh, it's something the Royals certainly didn't have to do. Um, you know, they had Perez locked up through 2019 uh, for a grand total of around $17 million. Um, and they are extending him, I believe it's one year beyond that now. And instead of having, uh, owing him $17 million, which, by the way, they don't actually owe him that, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> they're going to owe him $52 million. Um, and this from a team that has broken the $100 million payroll uh, once in their existence. Um, so it's a, it's a significant amount of money for them. Um, it's, it's generous and it's, um, it's kind of surprising because teams don't typically do this, uh, like, like Brian said, ever. Um, so, uh, you know, in, in, in one sense, I think it's it's great, but in the other, you kind of go, "What? Why?" Uh, <laughs> I mean, the they had this player uh, signed to an extension that they gave him when he was, I believe, even before he was a major league player, but but maybe maybe right after he came into the majors and had like 150 plate appearances or something, um, and they had club options for him, so he was going to be paid two million dollars this year. They have a club option for three. Point seven five next year, another $5 million club option in 2018 and a $6 million club option in 2019. So if anything happened to Perez, the Royals could just wipe their hands with him and be done with it. Um, and now they're on the hook for 50 million bucks. So, I mean, it's even more significant than, you know, than the $17 million to $52 million comparison, because really if Perez gets injured, the Royals could have just 
uh, not exercise a club option and been finished with it. Now they can't do that. Now they're on the hook for 50 million bucks. So um, Craig Goldstein characterized this in an email to us as, quote, dumb as hell, um, unquote. And I mean, from a business standpoint, it is kind of dumb as hell. So I, uh, that's, I guess that's my take on, it. I, you know, sort of hard to wrap your head around why they would do this. Brian, what you got? So I, I'm going to be the the contrarian on this one. I do not think this deal is dumb as hell. Um, and the main reason why I think that it's it's a a smart deal is because I think that this may be something where the Royals are saying to other players who may want long-term early contract extensions with them that if you sign this extension with us. And you perform better than you know anyone would have expected. We will eventually do right by you, and that's the part of this where I think this could actually be a smart deal because you know on dollars per war or on performance basis, it's not a good bet to bet on any catcher to be you know sign a six-year contract for a catcher. I mean, fifty-two million dollars if if Sal Perez hits the way he has been, he's kind of a bad framer. He's not really much more than an average catcher at best at this point. It's not like it's a great deal for them. They they don't want to be on the hook to this guy for an extended period of time. But I do think that at some point they're going to have other young players who they're going to want to sign to um, you know, low cost extensions, the same way the Rays have in the past, and plenty of other teams have. It seems to be something where more players are good younger than they ever used to be, and so these extensions are are something that more teams want to be able to do. So, if say, for example, the Royals want to ink Raul Mondesi, or I don't know, they'll eventually have another good prospect, but you know, maybe it'll be Kyle Zimmer or something like that, to a long-term extension where they're going to get a lot of surplus value out of their first couple of seasons. This is a really good thing to be able to go out and say, you know what, you could sign a six-year deal with three club options at the end of it, and if things work out the way that they're supposed to, we can do right by you after that. We can give you another extension. We can give you more money, and we will you know, have this good business practice. And I don't think there's almost another professional baseball team or professional sports team in general who's done really much like this and said, you know what, we're going to do right by you afterwards. So I think that might be a differentiator for the Royals. I think their front office actually has a chip that they can play in negotiations and say, hey, you know what? Sign a sign an extension with us. Sell your arbitration years to us for a discount. And you know, if you do what we expect you to do, what you think you'll do, then this is making good bet on yourself, and we will come back later and be able to do right by you then. Do you think that then? So what you're saying, Brian, is that this is a new um, policy, in essence, that the Royals have implemented. That because. As as Brian Joyner pointed out, there's this has not been done before. So to to go into a contract negotiation and say, well, sign this and informally in a couple years down the line, if you outperform it, we'll talk. I mean, is that I I don't know. I've never been through a major league contract negotiation. To me, that sounds really iffy. Well, I think that those things happen. They must happen. A lot more than we know, especially in no, the no, NBA. no. They, they never happen. No, that, no. Listen, that never happens because it never happens, right? When was the? You said it yourself. When was the last time 
a major league team went in and said, okay, we're going to renegotiate your deal. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it, what never, what does happen is that maybe that not what the implicit deal that we can renegotiate um, something in a couple years or get you some order, some other sort of revenue stream is not uncommon to contract negotiations especially in the NBA. This is seems to me more like of a loss leader type deal. And while I'm tempted to sit, not really agree with what Brian says, that it can help with other players, I think it does because I think it's still such a small labor pool made up of people who are friends with each other and talk to each other about these money issues that the Royals don't mind giving this deal to Perez and the side, the, the extra benefits of that to them in a period where they're flush with cash for them could signal that they are willing to do it again, which is something that has historically not been associated with them. So if Mookie Betts signs an extension with the Red Sox, then you're saying that that makes it more likely that Xander Bogarts will sign an extension with the Red Sox and, I don't know, pick your other player. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think that they're – I'm sure that, you know, that they're talking. Uh, no question they're talking. Um, and I think that's good. They should be you – know, they should discuss that sort of thing. But I think ultimately it comes down to – you know, the dollars and the years and what the agent recommends. And that's not going to be based on whether or not the Royals renegotiated Sal Perez's contract four or five years in. Well, here's my question. What did the Royals really lose? What? What did the Royals lose by this? Uh, Well, given that they're the Royals, they lose financial flexibility. And that's kind of a big deal for them. Because, you know, as long as they continue to keep their payroll where they have it now. They have some players coming up for, to free agency that they may want to keep. Um, and it, you know, this deal may make that more difficult. Now, if, if this money is coming from a place where the, uh, you know, that, that money wasn't going to be spent in another way, it wasn't going to be given to Mike Moustakis or Eric Hosmer or, or whoever, um, then, then fine. But my guess is it's coming from the general pool. And so it's not available to anybody else now, whereas yesterday it was. I think implicit in the deal, and I, I'm reading this in, and I think I have from the beginning, so I don't – if I'm imagining it, that's fine. But it seems to me that this is – a deal like this happens with the, the complicity of the entire organization. The entire organization, from the players to the owners – everyone on down to the fans must be okay with it. That is the only, that's the only explanation. So then when it, you talk about the other, but the issue is about the other players and whether they will sign for uh, that. Everyone in the organization is going to have to reckon with this, but I think that they are all prepared to good or bad. Okay. I, I'm not sure that's an argument for doing it, though. Well, right. but my point is it's a closed – in this, this – obviously, this is a singular case. 
it seems to be the product of a closed system um, and a closed system that developed over 30 years of pain and uh, 10 years of worse pain that has been relieved. It reminds me some way of the Jason Veritek contract. Veritek, I think, was better at the time, but that contract was bad in the end for the Red Sox on a pure numbers level. However, I I don't think that's true, but we can get back to that. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Toward the end, Jason Veritek was not able to hit a ball, and that was what... (laughs) That's true. That was what he needed to do. Yes. And I I don't look at the end of the Veritek contract and say, wow, that was so terrible. Now the Red Sox obviously have a lot more financial flexibility, which is your entire argument. So... Not Brian, my entire I'm supposed to be hosting. What is your say? Who's right and who's wrong? Well, I mean, obviously me, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the, it's less about being right or wrong because, I mean, right, we're, we're talking about something where from a financial performance standpoint, this is not a good deal for the Royals, right? I mean, you don't want to be paying money that you don't have to pay because there was there was no reason why they had to do it. And especially for a team that that needs financial flexibility to be able to to succeed because they don't have a lot of money to begin with. The one thing, I, I mean, yeah, my my gut says that it's it could be useful as a loss leader. It's not the main reason why they did it. I think that's more of like an ancillary benefit. I think the benefit that they're drawing from it is pretty much purely a psychic benefit that they just want Perez to be happy. I think somehow this team values Perez differently than the masses. And to them, this is probably a fair under market deal still for Perez, even though they're extending him out for six years. I I get the impression that they just value him differently. And that's why they're willing to make this commitment. That's possible. And I, I don't, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely possible. Dustin Palmatier at BP, um, came up with a list of four different reasons why that the, mm-hmm. you know, might be, it might be a good idea for the Royals. I'm not sure he was actively arguing for it, but I think he was proposing reasons that it, that it might work. Um, and this is actually, uh, to be fair, that this article came out before the, uh, before the extension was announced. Um, and, and that was one of his arguments was that a happier player is a better player. Um, and, you know, Perez signed such an incredibly under market deal, you know, and you can, you can talk till you're blue in the face about why he did it or when he did it or et cetera, et cetera. But, but he did, um, he signed such an incredibly under market deal that, you know, he was bound to be unhappy about it. Um, and I think reasonably so. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, you know, a guy who plays as much as he does um, and has the impact that a starting catcher does on your team, maybe it's worth that extra money to make him happy. Um, so that's, that was one of the, one of the arguments. Um, and, and I felt like that's, that's a fair argument. I don't know if, if that's enough for me to make it a smart thing, but you know, um, I, I can I can at least see and understand that. Um, my counter to that is okay. So what happens when Perez puts up a two forty total average and the Royals go seventy seven and eighty five this season, and now they're on the hook to Perez for fifty two million over the next five years? 
Well, I don't think if they go 77 and 85 this season, they're really going to care, ultimately. I do think that Brian and Matt, you both bring up implicitly the fact that teams can fall in love with their catchers. And you can have circular logic where if the catcher doesn't hit, then he's great defensively. And if he does hit, then he's both. And I don't know how avoidable that is. And that gets to the back to the, he needs to be happy. Some people in the organization uh, in a, in a winning organization have to be good. And some people have to be happy. And I think you guys are right that they've ultimately, whether it, makes sense to us or not there the psychic value of him being happy being in such a position of primacy for that team uh, is obviously worth it to them or at least it is today um i think did, did, i'm sorry you guys have anything else yeah i was gonna, I yeah. Was gonna ask um, you guys uh does this because uh, brian brought this up as as a reason you know that uh, other players would consider signing with the royals um, what about players such as um, Garrett Cole? Now, obviously not with the Royals, but recently, you know, got uh, I, I guess he threw 200 innings, whatever was a six-win player roughly last year, maybe five, um, and had his contract renewed. Um, and I, I think initially the Pirates were offering him less money than he made last year, um, and I mean. It, he was, you know, obviously upset about that, uh, considering you know what his value would be on the free agent market. Now, of course, he's not a free agent; he's in the second year of pre-arb, um, I think, second or third. Um, what does this deal say about that kind of situation? I mean, is that is that any kind of precedent um, for uh, you know for teams to negotiate at that time with uh, you know with, with players like? you know, like a Cole or a couple years ago uh, when this happened to Mike Trout? Yeah, I don't think this is any precedent for it because I think things like this don't affect that that three-year window of, of primacy that, that teams have on players. And I think ever, I mean, the, the Cole situation is really interesting, I think, that you bring it up here because it's an example of what happens when a guy isn't happy with his compensation and he feels like he's being compensated unfairly. Um, and it seems to be happening earlier in the process than it ever had before. Usually guys were unhappy with their arbitration or guys were unhappy with the amounts being offered them in free agency. But now we have guys being better earlier, like Cole, like Mike Trout, like these other guys. I mean, in Cole's case they can always say, um, you know, maybe he, he wants his agent to start talking towards a, you know, an extension where it'll buy out some of his arbiters or something like that. Um, but I don't know how it would affect like the rookie wage scale. The, well, it's what the, the same argument though, uh, in the sense that, you know, Perez was unhappy with the amount of money that he was making. He's an important part of the team and therefore you want to make him happy and it doesn't cost the team relatively to, you know, to make him happy. So, here. Well, so in in Perez's case, it does cost the team markedly to make him happy. If this is if that's I what this that is. That's my argument. But the but your guy's argument was that it wasn't as much. So that's why I'm. No, I I, I do think it's a big outlay for the for the for the Royals. Um, but does it 
the coal situation, I mean, that that argument was over what, like three thousand dollars or something like that, and well, it just seems it was like actually about a lot more than that. I mean, it, the actual you know cut uh, in pay was something like that, but obviously you know for for a guy who had you know success that he did last year and was as important to the Pirates as he was. He doesn't want to make $500,000 this year when other players are making millions and millions. Well, well yeah, I I'm... certainly think that the Cole situation makes him unfavorable. It makes the Pirates organization unfavorable to him in the long run. I don't see how it couldn't. And I think that I don't know if we're really on to anything with it being a loss leader in that sense. I mean, I think we're grasping at straws there things we can't really know at the same time i wouldn't do it with a pitcher i think it's much more likely to handle happen with a catcher just because of how much they are in they smooth the mechanics of of the team in a way by working with the pitching staff i'm not saying that it makes it worth it what i'm saying is i can see how someone as a catcher and there's a reason many catchers become managers function as managers of the teams in a weird way can, can do so. And I've always gotten the sense from the Royals that they have viewed Salper as that way. Now, I don't know if they were talking it up because they thought he was underpaid, but I think they were doing that before he even signed this contract. So I know that I, I, I can't, I see the analogy with Cole, but at the same time, it's different with pitchers, and I think that only time will tell if it has an adverse effect on Cole and his relationship with the team in the future. Okay, so what if you went? What if? And, and not to belabor this, so you know we can move on. I, it's fine. But um, w- what? What if it wasn't a pitcher? What if it was Betts? What if Mookie Betts came out and said, "I'm being paid five hundred thousand dollars a year. David Ortiz is making sixteen million dollars a year. This is unfair." Um, well. I, the Red Sox should do right by me. I mean, I I think that you're. It's a little bit too convenient to ignore the special circumstances in the Royals case because that was a special season. These are special circumstances. That's the only rejoinder I have to that. They're playing to them. They're playing with house money. You can look at that and say that's a bad way to play, but I don't think you can you can just sort of deny that circumstance. Okay. I think we're going to disagree to disagree. We won't even agree to disagree. Um, no, I, I'd like to thing, agree to agree. One, one thing we do agree upon is that we like the Boston Red Sox. Yay. And, Yay. and <laughs> it is time in our divisional season previews to move on to the AL East, the least covered division in all of sports. So, West Coast um, bias. Go ahead. So, Matt, you <laughs> think about the Red Sox probably more than anybody. Oh God! Let, let, yeah, I think you might. I let's no. Just, <laughs> let's let's just let's just start with you and what you think about the Red Sox, and then we can uh, move around. I'll I'll move on to Brian. Uh, for some other teams, but you start with the Red Sox. Go. Um, I I actually uh, am really uh, unsure about this year's team. I feel like there's a lot of variability 
Um, and and uh, I was on the Blue Jays Plus podcast, and they were asking me, how good is this team? And I was saying, I, I really don't know. You know, I, I could see them winning in the low 90s. I could see them winning in the mid-70s. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's – there's some, you know, potentially big young star players who could who could really break out. Um, then again, you know, there some big there's there's some very important young players who really might not uh, <laughs> make that much of an impact. There's some some talented older players coming off down years. Maybe those aren't you know maybe those are blips. Maybe those are um, you know trends. Um, you know, there's you know an injury prone rotation headed by a really good pitcher but with a lot of question marks following uh following him um you know i think there's some there's some question there's question marks about every bullpen ever so anyway uh but there's some question marks about the bullpen you know craig kimball coming off of uh for him a down year um carson smith has you know basically one year of of dominance um can he can he do it again um you know koji was injured last year um you know, Tazawa was, uh, was really good and then not very good and then missed the last part of the season. Um, so, you know, I think there's some, you know, the infield defense could be really bad. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't know. I don't know how all these, all these questions are going to be answered. Um, I mean, am I off base? Am I missing something? Yeah. I'm not worried about the bullpen. I know what you're getting at, but no, I'm not worried about it. How can you not be worried about the bullpen? I'm worried about all bullpens all the time. I exactly. don't think there's exactly. I'm grading on a curve. That's uh, why. Uh, all right, that's that's yeah. fair, I suppose. But you know, it's one of those things where you know, Craig Kimball, okay, whatever the guy is who's now the closer for the Red Sox, <laughs> he uh, he's inventing it like he's integrating a new pitch into his arsenal. So by all logic, he's going to strike out. You know six batters an inning or something ridiculous and he's going to be great and Carson Smith was great last year and as long as he doesn't get injured he's going to be great and Koji Uehara is um, you know a robot he's great and uh, you know all of a sudden you know Joe Kelly's going to move to the bullpen he has great stuff so he'll be great but like all that could go so wrong so fast that if this is a garbage bullpen again because this didn't look like a garbage bullpen at the beginning of last year it looked like an okay bullpen um you know, I just I I full, I cannot possibly even the Yankees. I, like I think the Yankees bullpen could be garbage next year because you can have all the great pitchers you want, but their bullpens and their fifty inning sample sizes and everybody's horrible all the time. I I agree with all of that, all of that. Um, yeah, I, I I agree too. I just don't <laughs> compared with what other people are working with. I think that they would trade places with us fairly quickly. So oh, that's that may be true. No question. And especially even in the AL East where pretty much every bullpen's pretty good. Like the Yankees are elite. The Orioles are much better than I think people give them credit for in the bullpen. The Blue Jays bullpen could be pretty good. Could be a disaster, who knows. And the Rays bullpen is exactly what we'd expect the Rays bullpen to be, which means that there's nobody really good in it and they'll probably be fantastic. Speaking of the Blue Jays, let's let's give them their props. We sh- we can always start with Boston, but they were the they were the big dogs last year. Brian, what do you see from them this year? We took we the Red Sox took David Price. How do you think the Blue Jays are going to respond? I think they're going to respond by being mad online about it, and I think that they're going to plug in Marcus Stroman as their number one starter, 
and they're going to be pretty cool with it because obviously this is a team that had little to no faith in David Price at the end of the season in the postseason. Too, I, I think that's one of the most underplayed storylines of the postseason. What in the living hell were they doing? I agree with you, Matt. Like it's underplayed, and everybody was talking about it. Yeah, like, but still, he's the best pitcher in baseball. <laughs> I'm in the American League anyway, not in, not in baseball. That's Kershaw, but but he's he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and they were treating him like he was. Fucking Marco Estrada. I have the hottest take in the world, and that's that I think that that game four thing was one of the most overblown things I've seen. That's it. That is a scorching hot take. So, what do you think? Why? Why do you think it was overblown? Why do you think that it wasn't such a big deal? Because I get really skeezed out, even in a game. What was it? Like a seven run game, six run game. That he that he came into in game four, and that was the game isn't over until it's over. There's no clock. You have to win the game to get to game five. I I know that he had gone up and down and up and down, and that was the stated reason I believe that he was brought into game four. Ultimately, right. You don't there. I think it is very easy from the outside to You're darn right it is. <laughs> to to say that this game is won in the fourth inning of a playoff game. I think it's so easy to say that. They have to play the game five if you make it. So th- again, the closed system of a baseball team and why he was pitching in that one game. It doesn't really bother me in light of the fact that they obviously won game four and then won game five. And as I've written uh, someplace, I think that game five itself was a validation of the strategy because that had one of the most transcendent moments in recent baseball history. And it wouldn't have happened otherwise. QED. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that the it's one of those things where the process looks really bad, but the end result was okay, sure. I just, I, it, to me, this is just so bizarre because while you say those things about, you know, you have to win, and there's, I do think there's logic to that, like no other team has ever done this. No other team in the past has been like, you know what, let's go ahead and burn our ace in the in the middle of the game. If it was something that had happened before in baseball, if this was a thing, like, you know, oh, you know what, sometimes managers are going to, you know, just burn their ace with, you know, a seven-run lead in the middle of a game, you know, win or tip, go home, then I think it would be something that we'd be like, okay, well, it's part of baseball, you know, they really want to win these games. But with it being such a weird situation and, and it never really happened before. And then, you know, people basically from all corners asking about it. I've always thought that this, there had to be something going on, either an injury or an ineffectiveness or an illness that there was some sort of non baseball reason for this happening. Um, but well, that's, that's there's no proof possible. to that. That's entirely possible. I, I just, I just disagree with the idea that if there are X number of innings left in the season and probably is going to end up pitching the same number of innings, maybe more if it's in game five, but you could be trash in game five. I just, 
I can't I, I can't get mad about that uh, when I see the Sal Perez contract is a weird connection but it's like yeah we've never seen this before we never see a lot of things before baseball that's what we like to see and ultimate it's ultimately what we like to see and I saw that and I said I probably wouldn't have done that myself at the same time you gotta you gotta get to game five I know I know you guys disagree and there's there's you never and probably most people disagree so all this That's, having been said, I definitely think the Blue Jays are an 87-win team this year. And Okay, so <laughs> Blue Jays, yeah, I, I see that. I mean, they're basically going to be the effect of taking Price out of the, off the team. I mean, it, it's going to be a fairly uh, smooth transition, I think, um, <laughs> to being a team without David Price. Speaking of another team in the AL East, what the hell is going on with the Orioles? Anybody? Um, you know, Dan I, Duquette I, I, wasn't really popular in Boston. And this, his Orioles, I don't know if it's him or not, just the way they have these problems with signing players and giving them physicals that don't seem to be unrelated to each other. Yeah, I... It's it's hard to talk about that too much because I just don't know what the living hell they're doing, um, and no pies in the face either. Yeah, no, I think that is an underreported story. Um, uh, as I tweeted, they're going to have to now hit people with giant stalks of broccoli, and I think that's going to be much more dangerous. Um, but uh, and I can I can uh, agree with the way that that joke just went down right now. Um, I I think. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's pretty strange the way that they've just been sort of bottom feeding out of the free agent pool the last two um, two or three years. I mean, it, it it works if if those players fit into you know exactly what you want. Um, but in, in I don't know. I Chris Davis is a potentially really good player. It, and you know the argument was made that the money that was given to him was not going to be given to anybody else. So mm-hmm. okay, fine. Um, if that doesn't prevent them from signing Manny Machado to an extension or going out and making a trade for another good player or whatever it is they're going to do, that's fine. Um, but I, I just I don't understand going after Giovanni y- Gallardo because he's there. Um, I don't really understand going after Dexter Fowler because he's there, and and then screwing up the contract it, it's, it's all just very strange and and all that said i think the team is actually not too bad i mean they're they're really kind of missing a top of the rotation guy um unless you are really buying kevin gossman um uh, which you know I'll, I'll buy it when i see it um but uh, uh other than other than that i you know i think they have a pretty pretty good lineup um you know, they should be able to score some runs uh you know their defense should be fine their bullpen should be good so you know i i, I kind of feel like this team is getting a little bit a little bit undersold um they're they're probably you know probably yankees ish roughly around there hmm. yeah i would i kind of agree with the yankees ish in terms of their end result i i don't think that they're much worse than the Yankees. They they could be 
better, but probably not. I still think they're the worst team in the AL East, which is, you know, not saying much because it's a very flat division. The thing that's so interesting about the Orioles to me is the players that they choose. Like Davis, like you said, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that's like you almost can't consider that in the context of anything else because there was talk about Angelos only giving that money to Davis and they wouldn't have done it to anybody else. But if, for example, they can't extend Manny Machado, like this goes down in history as a historically bad deal because of the opportunity cost, I would think. And the fact that they went after Giovanni Gallardo in free agency, it's seemingly only after every other option had been removed Right. is really weird, right? I mean, this is a team that, you said they lack a front-of-the-rotation starter. They also lack, like, three or four middle-of-the-rotation starters. So they've got, basically, a bunch of fives. And, I, I, I mean, there's an argument to be made they've got the worst rotation in, in baseball, or at least in the American League. They could have easily gone after a guy who would be Giovanni Gallardo-esque money uh, on a different deal. I mean, they could have gone after one of the guys that the Dodgers brought in, like Yasil Sierra or Kenta Maeda. Um, I know John Lackey took less money to go pitch for the Cubs, but they could have offered John Lackey more money to pitch for them and see if that would have worked out. Um, I don't even want to get into Jay Happ because that's weird. But I'm looking at other guys who got contracts for, you know, not the exact same amount of money but that Gallardo did, but similar amount of money. And they wouldn't have cost, oh, what's the pick they gave up for Gallardo? It's like in the mid-teens. And this is a team with a terrible, um, you know, farm system. Like, yeah, why I, would they do this that? Is, this is kind of where, I, where I, you guys might know the answer to this, but I, I don't know how good the, the draft is projected to be. Um, so I was going to say this is maybe where we miss Craig a little bit. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I agree with you, Brian. I, I don't – I would rather have the 15th overall pick – than Giovanni Gallardo in a straight-up trade. Yeah, uh, I, I think most people would. Now, it's a little different if you're packaging him with Dexter Fowler so that you're giving up that pick, but you get two players of 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 some talent. But at the same time, then, like, are those two players of talent going to put you in a position where you can go to the playoffs? It, it doesn't seem like it, and it seems like you're mortgaging your future again. Now, I do understand that the Orioles probably feel like they need to go for it now because their their farm system is not good. And there is, an, uh, I'd say, probably a better than even chance that Manny Machado is going to be like, peace, I'm going to go play for the Yankees or whatever. And so at that point, they're going to be in serious trouble. But it's just also one of those like kind of weird things where like you can go for it now and not do these things that kind of tear you down the move to get Mark Trumbo. Like I thought that was a really underrated move. That was a smart thing to do. There's other smart things that they've been doing. Like just the big ones seem to be weird. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want a big move to be getting Giovanni Gallardo either. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's bad. So, so if you think they're going to be about Yankees territory, where, how do you see the Yankees getting to the same spot? The Orioles are. How do they get to that same spot? Well, uh, and what is and what is that spot? Is that like five hundred? I'm I'm saying that is a little bit below five hundred, and okay. I I think the Yankees are less certain of being a little bit under five hundred than the Royals. Uh, I mean, than the Orioles are, because the Yankees have some pretty good, interesting players. Uh, the addition of Starlin Castro was really good for them. Uh, that that's basically it for their off season. Like, they got Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks could be a really fun fourth outfielder. Well, and, they, they and, got one other guy you're forgetting about in the bullpen. 
Oh yeah, but I'm I'm probably forgetting about him on purpose because um, you know he's a bullpen guy. But you're right; they did pick up Chapman and they got him for a song, which is great. But he's you know perhaps a garbage human and he'll be missing 25 to 30 games. It looks like so you know that'll make them better, sure. But it's probably not the same upgrade that it would have been for another team who didn't right. already have two closers. I just you know there's such a weird team where the the air bars on their old guys are huge, right? Like Carlos Beltran could be a pretty good outfielder or he could be garbage. Mark Teixeira probably had a dead cat bounce last year, but maybe could be good. Um, I literally have no idea what to expect from Alex Rodriguez. He could hit 50 homers next year and be like, cool, that that's exactly what I expected. Or he could, you know, wash out by, by May. Nobody knows. It's just a really strange team. And their pitching staff, I think, is going to be kind of the bellwether for them, as much as you can say that. Because, like, if Tanaka gets hurt, which I, I go into every season assuming, okay, Tanaka's going to get hurt. Right. Um and Pineda, you go into every season being like, okay, I assume Pineda's going to get hurt. And I go into every season now being like, okay, CC Sabathia is going to be awful. So I really don't know what to expect from their starting rotation. And I think if that's bad, then the team will be will be less than 500 team. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think if they're able to run out the five guys that they've got, um, you know, for 30, 32 starts apiece then they'll probably be fine. Even if, you know, even if Teixeira, you know, falls back a little bit, you know, if Ellsbury is about the same as he was last year and Gardner and I mean, gosh, they have a really old lineup. Wow. <laughs> so old, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rodriguez is 40. Teixeira is 35. Beltran's going to be 39. Jacoby Ellsbury is going to be 33. Gardner's going to be 33. McCann's going to be 32. Teixeira's 30, an 32. honorary 43-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. like us. He's been a dad for like 15 years. He <laughs> lopes. I love watching him run because the way he runs is just a giant animal lope. I, 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 I abhor the way he blows pixie dust when he uh, swings. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he's very good at fielding. I'll give him that. <laughs> See. Um, and like now that they're they're short Greg Bird, like that that kind of makes them older. It seems like because you know there's one less good young player who's going to be on the team. I keep forgetting how young Starlin Castro is though. Like we've yep. been talking about Starlin Castro forever, right? And uh, sort of. And Not only have we been talking about it forever, he was the elder statesman in the Cubs infield, like in in a sense. Yeah. He was even older than the people who replaced him, which was hard to do because he's what twenty three. He's twenty five. Uh, he's turning twenty five. He's turning twenty six uh, this month. Okay. Yeah, he's. I mean, that's still pretty young. Um, well, and for the Yankees, I mean, it's a right. baby. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, this actually brings up. Well, I, getting back to something you you said, uh, Brian. Uh, Gross, Nick. Um, sorry, I <laughs> just say Brian, and then no one knows who I'm talking about. Um, the, uh, the the Blue Jays rotation um, it, that that it seems like a, a lot of people are are willing to buy. Okay, so Marcus Stroman is an ace, um, mm-hmm. and what about? He, he, I'm not a hundred percent on that um, bandwagon yet. Um, I think he's certainly an interesting personality and and obviously very talented. Um, I think there's a reasonable chance that he's a step back from, from an ace pitcher. Um, but suppose he is an ace. Um, the rest of that um, rotation, it, 
if I were a Blue Jays fan, it would be terrifying to me. Um, you don't you don't believe in Jay Happ? Well, that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> do you, do you believe in Jay Happ and Marco Estrada? I mean, are, they, are is Estrada really going to give up whatever it was five and a half hits per nine? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything about Estrada's last year screams fluke. Everything, um, and I mean, maybe he's still you know a decent pitcher. He doesn't have to be as good as he was last year to still be decent. Um, but you know, are, are you guys are you guys buying this this rotation? I mean, as as good as the lineup projects to be, they're still going to have to have some starting pitching, right? Well, I mean, theoretically, but they <laughs> didn't really. I agree. I don't think Estrada is going to be as good as he was last year. Jay Happ, I, I I literally am just mystified as to how or what that's that's all about. Uh, but Ari Dickey. Um, I, I read an article by Ryan Watt at Baseball Prospectus today, yeah. and like Ari Dickey's been really good by BP's metrics, like consistently. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, that's not right. No, Ari Dickey was terrible. I remember that because everybody said that a lot <laughs> that he's been terrible. And then you go and you look at his ERA and his DRA, and it's like, no, he's been average, and he's been consistently average, and he's forty-one. So why would that change at all now? You know, he's a knuckleballer. They're supposed to be able to pitch forever. Um, so I think that he'll hold up okay. Um, but you're right. The rest of it is like question mark after question mark after question mark. But the thing about the Blue Jays is I really wouldn't put it past them, though, to go out and find somebody if Estrada and Hap aren't as effective as they need to be. Like, I know that the new management there um, said, well, you know, hey, you shouldn't have... Uh, trade away all your prospects for, for pitching, and now you're fired. Uh, it's Alex Anthopoulos. But I think they'll do it again this year. Like, I don't think that's something that's out of the out of the cards. And they've got enough talent that they could swap somebody out for a pitcher if they needed to. I wouldn't put it past them to try to, like, if they were in contention, I wouldn't put it past them to swap out Edwin Encarnacion to another team for a pitcher if they needed it. Um, and they'd still have enough hitting to to kind of absorb that kind of thing. But no, I mean, I don't think they're a sure thing, though I think I'm probably the high man on Marcus Stroman. I, I, you know, yeah, his personality is great and everything, but he can also shove. Um, and I think he'll, he'll maybe not be an ace-ace, but like a number one or number two guy. I think that, I don't think that's out the realm of possibility this year. I have a little bit harder time thinking that they would, if they were in contention trade and Carnacion specifically, just because I think if they were, he would be a, par- a big part of it. But the point is well made. I mean, I, I don't think that they're... I mean, J.A. Happ is, as you say, very hard to get enthusiasm about. Someone who is very easy to get enthusiastic about watching pitch is Chris Archer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Rays. Boston fans' favorite team. I actually think that Red Sox fans of a certain age hate the Rays more than they hate the Yankees. And... Well, that's you know? the team that the Red Sox lost to in the playoffs. So, of course, I makes it sense. And what do you see shaking out with the Rays this year? So, I did a little preview about the Rays for um, for BP, and I think they're going to be good. Uh, but again, you know, like every other team in the American League, and it feels stupid for saying this, but like they they could be good or they could be bad. Uh, but they'll probably be pretty good. But I, I mean, I think they made a bunch of moves that really play to this team's strengths. They're going to be like an all platoon offense, which is great. You know, that seems to work for them. 
Um, they've got like ridiculous depth compared to other teams. I feel like both in the rotation and in the lineup, they're one of those teams that like they don't have a ton of like really over the top excellent ball players at any one position, with the exception of Archer. But right now they've got their rotation is going to be Odorizzi, Smiley, Erasmo Ramirez, who you know again another one of those guys where it's like I have no idea how this happened, uh, but he's good now, and. Um, Probably Matt Moore may start the rot- may start the season in the rotation, although they may go with another option. They may bring Blake Snell up really quickly, move Matt Moore into the bullpen where he'll strike out, you know, again, a billion guys. Um, and then they got Alex Cobb coming back at the end of the season, hopefully. I mean, it's just a really deep and good team without a lot of holes. And they've got, I don't know, they've got room to, to make moves too, I think. It's just that, you know, they've got so many good players at so many good positions without super duper stars. I think that's one of those teams where you could definitely see them going on a athletics from a couple of years ago, kind of run where they just rip off, you know, 18, 20 wins at a time. And, you know, just real quietly wind up with, you know, 90, 92 wins and, you know, make it to the wild card. I think if they win 92 games, they're going to win the division. Just the way these uh, these teams look like they might smush together. I mean, there are some. I think the Red Sox and the Rays probably have the best chance to sort of jump out of the eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight win tier. What do you What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think that's probably true. I, I'm just. Um, it's almost. It's, it's a little hard to figure out where the offense is going to come from in Tampa. Um, you know, I think every they've got just about everything else nailed down. Um, this part of the reason why that Corey Dickerson trade was was so impressive. They were able to turn an off injured reliever into a you know a starting right fielder who has you know some potential to to really hit. Um, you know, but beyond that, uh, you know, is Logan Morrison really going to be their DH? Um, I mean, that's that's kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as great as Kiermaier is in in uh, in the field, he's and and he is uh and the the numbers certainly say and and the highlights say that that he's you know he's amazing um but you know he's really not a hitter um no not and, at all so yeah yeah i you know this this is this strikes me as the you know the all pitching and defense um team um but and, and, you know that's especially in this um in this division I, I i agree with you guys i think that can totally win they that can totally play um you know, and and also, presumably, you know, at the deadline or or a little before, it, it'll be much easier to make some upgrades. <laughs> there'll, there'll be some obvious places where they'll be able to, uh, you know, to replace guys and 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 get some, uh, you know, get some some offense uh, added there. So, um, yeah, I, I think the more I think about the Rays, the the more optimistic I am about them. Um, you know, in, in terms of the the actual division, it, it just seems like the the Yankees are. You know, just just sort of on their on their last legs, and and the Blue Jays. I just feel like they're maybe it's just too much gut that I'm doing with the Blue Jays, but it just feels like they're uh, they're going to take a step back. Um, you know, both defensively uh, and in the rotation this year. Um, and yeah, and, and uh, obviously all those questions I laid out about the about the Red Sox. So yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if uh, if the Rays ended up being the you know the team that wins 92, 93 games, and everybody else wins eighty three or eighty four. Something like that. It, it sounds like we're all super confident in our picks for this division. Am I right? I am 100% lock. 
I haven't uh, even made them. And yeah, no, I, I, I think that this is like it was last year. This is going to be uh, a division where anything can happen and then it will happen. That was a bad tautology. You've been on the phone for too long. <laughs> I, think I, I, think, uh, I think what's going to happen is one team is going to have a lot of things go right for it. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds right. Either that'll be the Red Sox with, you know, Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval and, uh, you know, and, and the back of their rotation stepping up and, and, you know, all of a sudden they, oh, everyone looks at them and is like, oh, how do we miss this? You know, or, or the, it'll be, you know, the Rays are, you know, go weeks without allowing a run, you know, or the Blue Jays are on pace to score 950 runs and we're all like, oh my God. Um, I think, I think something like that is, is going to happen. Um, I mean, that's what's yeah. been happening. That was the, that was the thing with the Blue Jays before last year. Right. It was. It was like, yeah, I've heard about the Blue Jays forever. Blah 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 blah. I'll believe it when I see it. And then you know, we saw it. We saw it. So, uh, so if you had a gun to your head, which there's not, don't worry, listeners at home, nobody has a gun. Uh, Matt Bryan with a with a gun to your head, who do you pick to win the division? Uh, Rays. I would That's probably just... pick the Rays as well, just because it's a. Uh, it's a safer pick, I think, than the Red Sox. Yeah, uh, I definitely think the Red Sox are the safer pick. You do? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would take the. I, I know the projection systems, especially BP, is is pro raise, but I definitely think it's the Red Sox. I just think the impact of a price injury would be very difficult to absorb. So, well, especially if this Eduardo Rodriguez injury is a little more serious than. Well, it already sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and we will see, but we will see uh, on our on our next show, uh, which we will we'll talk about the last division, uh, which is the AL Central. I will West. not be here. AL West. Oh, you talked about the Central with Craig. I will not be here. Uh, but some of our other hosts from the four man rotation: Craig Goldstein, who is absent; Matthew Corey, who is here now, and as is Brian Grosnick. We are all going to say goodbye to you. Um, thank you for li- if you made it this far. Thank you very much for listening. It means uh, every single every single thing we hear makes us feel really good. So Yay. thank you, Great thank for you. everyone. Congrats thank again, you. Brian.